morning, everyone. So good to see you today, and it's so good to be able to be here. Uh, about three weeks ago, I had a cold, and I got over that, and then it came back, and yesterday I started losing my voice, so I'm a little harder to listen to today than normal, but I think we'll be all right. And uh, I will preach fast if you'll listen fast. If you'll listen fast, say amen. Amen. Oh, boy. <laughs> They're going to listen really fast today. <laughs> you see the choir risers behind me at the end of my message. We have the privilege of Indiana Wesleyan Chorale being here. They will feature three songs for us, and we're excited to hear from them today. If you have your Bible, I invite you to open to John's Gospel, chapter 3. We're in a message series looking today at a profound truth that is revealed. And in this, we see, then they met Jesus. In our Lenten series, as we consider then they met Jesus, we're going to look at Nicodemus when he meets up with Jesus. If you read the early verses in this passage, you read that in Judaism, Nicodemus was a very, very respected person. He was a member of the equivalent of their Supreme Court. He understood the scriptures. He also understood the law. The scripture calls him the teacher. Jesus refers to him as the teacher of Israel. Israel's teacher. So Jesus respected the fact that Nicodemus was somebody who had a little bit of stature, a little bit of pedigree, a little bit of name in the culture around him. But he came to Jesus at night. We don't know exactly what he knew about Jesus, but we know that he comes to Jesus at night because in all of his wisdom and understanding, no matter what he had heard about Jesus, he wanted to know about eternal life. Everybody here faces the reality that you're alive right now. We also face the reality that one day we will not be alive, but we will indeed be dead. And when we're dead, where will we be? Where will we really be? That's the question Nicodemus was asking Jesus. How can I be sure that when I die, I will receive eternal life? And so Jesus begins to unpack this for him, and we're going to journey through these verses together. And we're going to see three important insights that Jesus shares that help us understand how we can be sure we have received the gift of eternal life. The first instruction given is in verses 3 and 7, and then in verse 18. It says very simply, we must be born again. We must be born again. Look at verse 3. No one can see the kingdom of God unless... They are born again. Nicodemus takes things literally in verse 4. He says, how in the world could I be born a second time? Fair question. Jesus begins to explain in verse 6. He says, your mom and dad, I'm paraphrasing, your mom and dad, they had you in your physical birth first, but the spiritual birth comes from God. And that's the born again I'm talking about, Jesus would be saying to him. You can't see the wind when it blows, but you can feel the effect. You don't necessarily see the Holy Spirit when he comes into your life and converts you over to Christ, but you feel the effect. You experience the reality. You may not experience it like the girl in the video, and wasn't that a great video? You may not experience it like the little girl to where you say, I cried because I was so happy, 
But you will experience a transformation in your mind, in the way you think. You'll begin to discern spiritual things like you never really understood them before. You'll begin to think thoughts about God and about Christ and about the world and about others like you never really understood before. You'll begin to experience a transformation that will happen within you. In John chapter 1 and verse 12, it says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And this is how we're adopted in the family of God and how we're made children of God. That's why a lot of times at churches you'll hear them talk about brother or sister because we're part of God's great big family. Jesus drills home this point of you must be born again. You must be born of the Spirit. You must be born of God. In verse 3, look at it. You must be born again to inherit the kingdom of heaven. Look at verse 7. You must be born again. Verse 18. There is no other way to eternal life but through Christ. The scripture says to us, there is one God and one mediator, that's go-between, between God and humanity. That's us. And that is a man, Christ Jesus. And Nicodemus had the privilege to talk to him one-to-one right here in this moment. Then I want to look at the second thought that is given to us in the passage. Verses 13 through 15. You are born again by looking at Christ's cross. Let me explain. <clears throat> Jesus gives to Nicodemus a visual object lesson from way back in the past. Now Nicodemus was a teacher of the law. He was a teacher of the scripture. So Jesus took him back to Numbers chapter 21 and he began to explain to him, well, you remember, and I'm paraphrasing, you remember whenever Moses and all of the children of Israel were out there in the wilderness, Nicodemus would say, yeah, I remember that. He said, you remember when they started grumbling against God? Oh yeah, they grumbled against God. People still grumble. Man, Oh, yeah, I remember hearing that, reading that. I've taught that. Yeah. You remember when he made the serpent and he held it up on the stick and everyone who was still alive, who had not been bitten and had not died, could look at that and they were healed if they had been bitten and they could live? Yeah, I remember that. Then Jesus gives him an object lesson forward in the future. And the object lesson he gives to him is in verses 14 through 15. He said, so it is with me. I'm going to be lifted up on the cross. And everyone, whosoever, everyone, all people, all time, everywhere, every race, everybody that looks at me for the salvation will find forgiveness from God and find the gift of eternal life through my death and through my resurrection. My goodness. Jesus explained what was getting ready to happen. He was going to the cross for you and for you and for you and for me, for all of you watching today, for any of you around the world, wherever you are, he died for everyone, all of us. And sometimes we think, well, maybe I've gone too far. You don't really know my story. Maybe I'm too old. I don't have much to give God. Maybe everything's too bad. In my, I can't do it. But you know what? The fact is, the scripture says, for God loved you. He loved you so much that he is available to you and to you and to you and to me and to everyone. Billy Graham was asking your opinion. 
What's Christ's ultimate purpose in life? And he said, well, he fed the poor. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. But that was not his ultimate purpose. His purpose was to go to the cross. And ladies and gentlemen, it is a cross of Jesus Christ. No matter whether you understand it or not, no matter what you think about the shedding of blood, no matter how you idealize God in your mind, the requirement was that he would die on the cross. And that's exactly what has happened. And salvation comes by the Spirit of God coming into our life and making us born again. And he can do that for you today, right there where you're sitting. You and I know a person named Israel, Israel Houghton. He's a great worship leader and a great writer of Christian song. But his story began very bleakly. His mom lived in the center part of the United States in Iowa. And she grew up in a family there and she became pregnant as a young girl. She wasn't married. And this was back a number of years ago, a number of decades. And it was considered a really bad start for her. And her family wanted her to end everything. And she said, no, I'm not going to end this pregnancy. And in the eighth month of that pregnancy, she left home and she ended up traveling thousands of miles from home. And when she got far away from home, she ended up having the baby. And when she had the little baby, she ended up getting into some addictions and bad habits. And life was spiraling down. And it looked like the state would come and take her baby from her. But one day a lady stopped and she said this to her. She saw her on the street and she said, I don't know you. I don't want to give you a hard time. But I was driving by and I really felt that I needed to come by and tell you Jesus loves you. You're not forgotten. You did the right thing and it's going to be all right. And I'm here to tell you today that wherever you're sitting, whatever's going on in your life, whatever's happened in your past, God loves you. God cares for you. He's not surprised by where you are. When he died on the cross, he died on the cross on purpose for you. Even knowing what you would do, where you would go, the things that you have done. He knows all about the times you've been high. He knows all about the times you've lied you've stolen. He knows all about those times whenever you have done crazy things. He knows about those of you that maybe were in the military and feel guilty over murdering people. Or maybe you've you've murdered somebody outside of the military. And you know something that you've done in your life. And whatever you've done in the backseat of a car and whatever you've done in the dark of night that nobody knows about but you, God knows all about it, and yet he still offers forgiveness. The third thing I want to point out is verses 16 through 17. We are all invited to be born again. I've already said it, but look what it says. The scripture says that God would demonstrate his great love for us. It says, for God so loved the world. We don't understand the scope of that love. It's beyond our understanding. It's agape love. It's a love that mixes in with all of the bad of the world all around us and still offers hope, offers a new chance, a new beginning, offers a new life, a new forgiveness. He offers a clean slate, a clean conscience, a clean start, 
to everyone. For God so loved. Look at this. He loved the world that whoever would believe in him. I've illustrated it many times, but it might be the day that it registers with you. I believe that chair can hold me up. You may believe Christ existed or exists, but it's not until I sit down in this chair that I really believe and have faith it can hold me. It's not until you truly test Christ, truly say, I have sinned, I've fallen short of your plan for my life. Forgive my sin. I see you are my Savior. You died for me. You rose from the dead for me. And invite him in. He'll forgive your sin. He'll come into your life. He'll give you a brand new start. Aren't you grateful for that? Can I get a witness somewhere in the house? My family and I prayed for over 60 years for somebody. This lady had not grown up in church. She did not know Jesus. She just knew about Jesus. But she didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. Thought the things of the church were a little bit out there for her. She ran with a bad crowd. She did things that were regrettable. She wound up in prison. She got out of prison tried to straighten up some of her life. But the thing about it is, she still did not have Jesus. Somebody invited her to go to a Bible study. She decided she would go. She didn't grow up going to church services like this. But she went to the Bible study. And she understood the plan of salvation like I'm explaining it right now. And she opened her heart. And Christ came in over 60 years of day-to-day prayer. And she received Christ at that Bible study in the midweek. And that Sunday morning, she was baptized. A public expression and declaration to everybody what she had done. That's my cousin. And she came to Christ recently. I thank God for the whosoever will of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is a power of God for salvation to everyone who would believe. First to the Jew, but also to all the Gentiles. Thanks be to God for this. I stood beside a casket this week at a funeral over in Bethlehem. And while I was standing there and thinking about this message, as I walked away from that moment, I thought, man, we pursue so many things in life. We pursue titles. We pursue stuff. We pursue things. We pursue things that we think matter so much, and some things do matter a bit. But we lose perspective so quickly. And I thought about my friend who had died and was lying there, and I thought, you know, you don't take any of it with you. You don't take one stinking thing with you. The only thing that mattered to that lady was, had she done what Nicodemus was hearing as the instruction from Jesus himself? If you want to inherit the kingdom of God, if you want eternal life, you must be born again. That's true for every one of us. And that's true for you. And you and you. Every one of us. You must be born again. We can be. 
We don't have to have money to get born again, education to get born again. You don't have to have your teeth to get born again. You don't have to have your hair to get born again. You don't have to have anything to get born again except a willing heart to say, here I am. Here I am. Think about the thief on the cross. One guy sneered and said, eh, not for me. He died without God. So close and yet so far away, he missed heaven by 18 inches. He knew Jesus, but he did not believe. I don't want you to miss heaven by 18 inches. The other thief didn't. He believed. He received. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Isn't that awesome? Wow, thank you, Jesus, for that. I love that. Now, we chase after all this junk. Solomon chased after all this junk, didn't he? Solomon had money. He was the wealthiest man in his time. He had wisdom. He was the smartest man to ever live, the scripture would say to us. He had, he liked women. He had all the women he wanted. Hundreds and hundreds of women. My stars. He had all kinds of people working for him. He had worldwide fame. We still talk about him for crying out loud. Real guy that lived. When he came to the end of his life, he was all diseased and all riddled down. In the book of Ecclesiastes, he says, meaningless, meaningless, meaningless. It's all meaningless. And you and I don't get worldwide fame usually. We don't get all the wealth of the world and we don't have all the people, the women of the world, so to speak. And we don't have all the wisdom of everything else and we still pursue that kind of stuff and do without Christ. Why in the world would anybody do without Jesus? He's the answer. And he's the answer for you today. Look what he says in verse 17. You should not perish. In other words, you should not have eternal death. We don't want that. But you should have eternal life if you believe on Christ. Do you believe on Christ today? Have you trusted in him as your Savior? You can. You can right there where you are right now. Wherever you are, you may receive him. The Asbury Revival hit the news big time. God has blessed wildly. Brad Easley, a professor there at Asbury University, wrote this the other day. He said, it's 3 a.m. exactly. I want to post before bed. Tonight was the last public evening service. They came from all around. They came from all over, 150 colleges from countless states and nations, pouring into this place. Yet tonight I am thinking about the one. Her name is Michelle. She came with her boyfriend. They drove hours to get here, but arrived too late for the evening service. They walked in around 1 o'clock, but Hughes Auditorium, the main place where people were gathering for prayer and worship, was now cleared out. But they wanted prayer before they headed out for the night. They had driven so far. So Meg and I sat down with this young couple. They were nominally religious. They were confused, seeking, hungry, hoping. I tried to listen and unpack what the issue was. For Michelle, it was fear and confusion. Confusion over what was true and what is real in life. She longed for the days of her innocence and childhood. Days before poor decisions, she was now hopeless and lonely. 
and afraid of unforgiveness, afraid of the future. I feel so lost, she said. I don't know where to start. Brad continued, I explained as best I could the beauty of the gospel that despite her untold sins, forgiveness and healing were freely given. As Meg and I ministered to her, listened to her, and wept, eventually, a radiant joy covered her as she received the healing grace of Jesus. The forgiveness in that moment at 2 a.m. was intense. She missed the big event of the rally of the day, but Jesus met this one right where she was. And in this crowd with several hundred people today, Jesus will meet you and you and you right where you are. Have you been born again? Have you received forgiveness from Christ? Do you know for certain, without a doubt, in this Lenten season that you have met Jesus? Nicodemus met him. What would keep you from opening your heart if you have not opened your heart to receive him? And then during this Lenten season, what would happen if you pick out that person in your life a person who does not yet know Jesus, the joy of the forgiveness, the peace of a clear conscience, the assurance of eternal life, a definite purpose that reaches beyond the temporal but into the eternal. And you pray for them to come to faith in Jesus every day. Do you have someone you're praying for? Who would that be? Will you pray even if it takes 60 years? We're going to pray now. And if you have never received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, or if you feel that your life, you wandered away from Him, but you've come back to Him, today you're here because you want to connect with Him. I'm going to pray a prayer, and I'm going to pray in phrases that are slow, and I'm going to put a little space behind them. And while I'm quiet, you just pray quietly right there where you are. And you mean it sincerely from your heart. You don't have to pray out loud. Nobody needs to know it. And you just trust Christ to come into your life, forgive your sin, and give you the assurance that you're born again. Give you the assurance that you know him and that you receive the gift of eternal life. He offers to everyone freely. Let's bow our heads. You could pray like this. Dear God, I recognize that I am a sinner and I recognize that my sin separates me from you. I don't want that separation. I don't want that sin. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. Thank you, Jesus, for being my Savior. Forgive my sin. Come into my life. I receive you now as my Savior. This moment. Today. Thank you for the forgiveness you have now given me. Thank you for the new start you have provided for me. Thank you for this fresh opportunity to live my life. Lord, I want to live for you. So I ask you to guide me every day. If I stumble, if I mess up, 
Help me to turn quickly back to you to confess that and to move forward from there. Thank you for the transformation you're bringing in my life right now. Thank you that I am born again. Thank you for giving me the promise of eternal life with you. In Christ's name.